Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? You should have gotten in bed plenty early last night, right? No 8.20 kickoff. Yeah. Um, so everybody's good, right? Excited to be here. I'm Vic. This is Joel. We are uh, in week, is this week four uh, or week five? Four. Week four of our series, four, yeah. How Life Works. And it's a study through the book of James. And uh, James has been, I think you would agree with this, pretty challenging from a, yes. from a personal standpoint yes. as I'm teaching through it. I would think, I was hopeful it's that I had. It's way more convicting to us <laughs> yes. than probably you. We're trying to move our conviction over to you. I mean, that is the yes, goal of the preacher. Yes, that's the goal today. So for you to be much more convicted than we are. But I don't know if that's possible, actually. Yeah. Um, but let, just by way of review, we've, um, we're going to be in chapter 2 today. So if you have a Bible, you can make your way over to James chapter 2. Uh, if you don't have a Bible uh, and you would like to have one, come find me or Joel after. We'd love to get you one. Maybe you're new to the whole uh, Christianity or church thing. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, you can download uh, an app called, uh, it's called YouVersion. Uh, you need that app anyway. Uh, you can download that and uh, find the book of James on that app. But uh, James has... Uh, Challenged us right out of the gate. You know, he, he opens his letter by saying, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. And, uh, and then last week we, we talked about being uh, hearers of the word and doers of the word, not just hearers. And uh, a lot of James can feel a little legalistic. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think you're tempted to walk into the book of James and think this is a book that's all about rules. Yeah. And one of the things that's been helpful as I've studied through it this round, I've been a Christian for a while, I've studied through the Bible for a while, been a pastor for a while, but this time around I've really seen the connections of that James makes between the word implanted in us, that is the gospel seed, that is the message of Jesus Christ, that by grace, through faith, we're, we're saved. And James really connects that to what then happens outwardly. You know, that inward transformation that takes place inside of us that you're going to see outward actions result. Yeah. And, and a lot of James teaching sounds like uh, his older brother, Jesus. Yeah. And uh, in fact, this whole idea of being here's the word and doers of the word, Jesus tells a parable that I think is going to help us as we look at what we're going to be in today in chapter two. And uh, by the way, we take questions while we're teaching. If you're new to this, uh, those are our numbers up there. If you have any question during the teaching time and you think, I I really want some clarification, send Joel a text. He would love to answer it. (laughs) <laughs> Actually, send it to me so I can ask him. No, that no, would be better. I like getting the questions. Um, but flip to Luke uh, chapter 10. Uh, you're going to be familiar with this story, but I want us to look at it uh, as, a, as a way of helping us understand James. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And um, I just want to read it for us. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, 
What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Verse, that's verse 25. That's verse 25. Five. I'm sorry. I just yep. jumped in there. Um, he's talking to Jesus. Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor is yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. So Jesus takes uh, this guy's question, right? Uh, the man comes to test Jesus. First of all, that's not a good life choice. Uh, and Jesus, in, in the fashion that he often does, answers a question with a question. Mm -hmm. He says, well, how do, what do you think? What does the law say? And Jesus immediately pushes him into the law, and the guy gives a fantastic answer. He's in probably fact, heard Jesus say this before. Right. He gives the same answer mm -hmm. Jesus gave to a question in, uh, in Matthew 22 and Mark 12 when they say, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus gives the exact answer. So Jesus says to him, you've answered correctly. Now you go do that. And uh, the man realizes at this point that, wait a minute, okay, wait, there are going to be people I can't love, right? So I need, I need to uh, limit the law's uh, commands by limiting yeah. the parameters. Yeah. So I'm going to ask him another question. Um, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus tells this story, right? And he introduces some characters in the story. The first guy that comes to the man who's been beaten is who? Audience participation time. A priest. Mm -hmm. If anybody's going to know the law of love, who's it going to be? That's right. <laughs> A priest, right? And what does the priest do? He, he ignores the guy, goes to the other side. The next person that's introduced is a Levite. Same thing. If anybody would have known the law, it would have been a priest and a Levite. And then you get introduced to a Samaritan. Now, this would have been the most unlikely hero in the story. Mm -hmm. The Samaritans and the Jews did not get along. Samaritans were seen as sort of second-class citizens. If you remember, Jesus had an encounter with a Samaritan woman that was people thought was scandalous and because she was a Samaritan and a woman and it was the middle of the day and so but Jesus sets up the Samaritan as the one 
who does the right thing. And so Jesus is setting a contrast in this parable between those who hear the law and actually know the law, a priest and a Levite, and those who do it. Very clear distinctions in this story of of the categories of people we're going to look at actually today as we move further into James. So in verse 36, he asked the question, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor? So there's Jesus again asking questions to answer people's questions. So if you text us in questions, we may just ask you questions back. But <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful way for us to understand what he's getting at. That's, it, that's amazing, the way in which Jesus does answer our, our questions like that. He says, which of these was a neighbor? Well, it's obvious. It's, it's the man who showed mercy. And so Jesus redefines what being a neighbor is. Neighbor is someone who sees someone. It doesn't matter if they live in close proximity, but if they're in need, they will help them. All right, quick story. This summer, uh, here's my own parable, if you will. This summer, I was on a long road trip. It was me and my five kids and my wife. There was seven of us packed into a car that's packed full of stuff. We're going to see my grandparents who live in Missouri 14 hours on the road. Oh, isn't that fun when all, yeah. And, mm. and so we're in the middle of Mississippi, somewhere that I've never been before, and um, my car starts to ding at me like, oh, you're out of gas. Oh, that's not good. I'm gonna stop though as soon as I see a gas station. But there were no gas stations. We're in the middle of nowhere. And so I'm driving, I'm driving, and that, you know, usually I get like, a good while before I really need gas. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? That, that thing goes off and you're like, I can go like two more days on this. <laughs> I, I know how it works. And, and so I'm thinking, I still got time, but I guess because we were so loaded down, we, we did not have time. Oh, and no. next thing you know, I'm on the side of the road and I've got my thumb out just hoping someone's gonna pick me up because I have no idea where the next gas station is. And, and I waited and waited and waited until a guy came and picked me up. He um, said, what's going on? Well, I ran out of gas. Oh yeah, okay. He takes me to the gas station. He walks with me inside the gas station. I get gas, uh, uh, you know, what are those things called? A little container, put gas in it, the bring gas it back. Can. Gas, can. gas can is yes. the word you're looking for. Thank you. <laughs> Take the gas can, I go back. He drives me back to my car. This is two or three miles down the road fill it up, and then he says, I'll follow you to the gas station. He follows us to the gas station, then he goes inside, and he brings out popsicles for our kids. Isn't that amazing? Now, who was a neighbor to us? All the people that pass by on the road are this guy. This guy, right? Yeah. And that's the kind of story Jesus is telling. I'm just kind of, you know, modernizing it, and not nearly as good as Jesus' story, but that's, we pass by people on the road, right? (laughs) We pass by people on the street who are asking for help. And um, this is a question of whether or not we're going to love our neighbor. This is why it gets so convicting. Because James is going to say that if we do something called show partiality, then we're actually not loving our neighbor. And that's the connection here to James. So we're going to read that next? Yeah. let me, let me read our text for today. James, uh, chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing 
also comes in. And if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man and not the rich, the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court. Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbors yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So what we're going to walk through this morning is it all starts with verse 1, and it says this, show no partiality. Another way that can be translated is favoritism. Show no favoritism towards someone just based on outward appearances. That's what it literally means. Show no partiality. So that's the rule that James presents to us. He says, show no favoritism. And then he's going to show us how we do it. That's verses 2 through 3. This is how it can happen in our context And then in verses 4 through 11, he explains this is why you shouldn't do it. And then finally, in verses 12 and 13, we're going to see what we should do instead. So let's just start with this idea of partiality, favoritism. How how is that really an issue? And is it a big deal? Well, it it is a big deal because James kind of makes it a big deal. We're going to see that. (laughs) So we're going to go with that. Here's the the thing that we've actually talked about this this week. Is it partiality for me to favor my children over others? There's an awkward silence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it. What about your best friend? Or your best friend, right? If we, you we like throwing these questions at each other when we're trying to prepare because <laughs> we're like, hmm, yes. How does this work exactly? Here's how I think James is talking about partiality. It's when you show um, favor toward one group to the exclusion of another group because there's a benefit in it for you. Mm -hmm. It's it's a heart issue, Mm -hmm. which James is going to deal with a lot of heart issues, right? He's already uh, got on us about bridling our tongue and visiting orphans and widows like the marginalized people. And what James is saying is don't, be, don't show partiality for your own gain, which is, I think, what he's getting at. Yeah. Yeah, if you think about the reasons and why, let's just take his example. Someone walks in the door, and they, uh, they show all the outward signs of appearance that you would be drawn towards, Right? You, you look at them, you're like, oh, that, that person has that kind of job that I would like to have one day. Or that person has 
the lake house that I would, I would like to enjoy, maybe. Uh, that person has these certain things, and, uh, or even just like to make me look better in who I'm surrounded by. And so you, you're more prone to go towards that person. And then he talks about the poor person. What does the poor person have to offer us? Well, I don't know. I, I think I'm going to just naturally be drawn towards the rich person. And so when we do that, we're showing partiality. Right, right. And, and James is saying if you, if you show that kind of partiality, you are actually breaking yeah. uh, a, a pretty serious command. And um, we're, we're going to work through why we're doing that and, and how, what's the remedy for that. Yeah. So uh, here's, here's four reasons why we shouldn't do it. So we see, we see first that like this can happen anywhere. We talked about that a little bit this week. This can happen so easily. Actually, let me step back for a second. Just the example that Pastor Carlos had this week I thought was fantastic. With with his friend in Nashville? Yeah. So uh, Pastor Carlos had a friend in Nashville. I'm going to steal his story and tell it because it's great. I think we should. And uh, they had, uh, he pastored a church in Nashville and... um, one Sunday morning, they had a, a stretch limo parked outside the, one of the side doors into their worship center, and a guy standing next to the door uh, of the car. And the pastor gets up and he says, hey, I know y'all have seen the car out there, and you're wondering, uh, Taylor Swift is going to be with us this morning, and she's going to come in in just a moment, and so I just wanted to let y'all know. And, and he said people start getting their phones out, and you Man, know, they're Taylor texting. Swift, this is awesome. It's, yeah, you're in Nashville. It's not completely unbelievable, right? And so the side door opens, and people like stand up and look to the door, and Taylor Swift doesn't come in, and he says, she's not really here. I mean, that, that's kind Boom. of an ouch. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, but how would you react if we were to mention so-and-so was going to be here with yeah, us yeah. this morning? Probably not a big deal if it was Taylor Swift. If it was Tom Brady, I'd be like, yeah, mm. all right. I'd, I'd go out. I got a th- Michael Jordan. Jordan, oh, yes, boy. definitely. I would be in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, I would prefer him over you. That's <laughs> partiality, but I'm owning it right now. It's confession. I'm okay now, right? We all do it. Mm-hmm. The, the problem is we, we, we're reading through James and we're going, man, that's hard. I can't do it. But James isn't asking us to do anything that we don't expect every other human to yeah. do. And. Just here's, here's what I learned this week in studying through it. You're probably blind to it in some areas. Yeah. Vic read from a book this week, and he was, he was like, well, what about this example? I can't even say it out loud because <laughs> I'm too convicted by it. And I was like, yep, I never thought about that. And so part of, I don't know, if you're a processor like me, part of this will be taking this word you hear this morning and working through it this week. And you're going to hear that, you're going to think, how are the ways in which I'm showing partiality? And I don't even know it. Where is it that, like, you know, I see this person over here and this person over here, and and based on outward appearances and nothing else, I am moving towards this person just because of that. And, And you'll be convicted like us. So that was number one. Number, you said there were four. Oh, yeah, yeah. So first, <laughs> first uh, he says, we're judging people that we have no business judging. He says, when you, when you show partiality, you've made distinctions among yourself, and you become judges with evil thoughts. 
So what about judging? How does that work for a Christian? Oh, wow. Uh, so this is, a t- this is actually kind of interesting because in Corinthians, I think it's 2 Corinthians. Somebody's going to check me on this, I'm confident. Paul says uh, we are not to judge, and then we are to judge, like almost a paragraph later. Uh, so which, what is it, Paul? Which one is it? Yeah. And, and the first, uh, the first in, instance, I think this is 2 Corinthians, where uh, they're talking about following Apollos or following Paul, and Paul is saying don't judge, don't try to judge the motives of their heart. You don't know the motives of their heart. The second place where he says you are to judge those in the church, he's talking about judging Obvious sin. Yeah. Uh, in the church, the church at Corinth, yeah. they had plenty of it. So, um, 1 Corinthians 4 and 5, I think. 1 Corinthians. Yeah. I was close. Yeah. It's 2 Corinthians. Yeah. Close. But yeah, the idea of. Ju- um, so, this idea of judging others based on appearance is wrong. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. But if there's outward sin, mm-hmm. I think James would certainly agree with Paul and say, you've got to, you've got to judge that and correct mm-hmm. it because, yeah. because James is so concerned with the word and obeying the yeah. word and following the word. So the key thing here is judges with evil thoughts. There's, yes. there's more beneath the surface than yeah. you just calling out like, oh, that person is this or this. It's, it's the motive behind it. Uh, that's the problem. Uh, then he says it practically doesn't make sense in uh, verses six and seven. Uh, it's he's saying, "Look, aren't the rich ones the ones who oppress you? The the very people." And, and this is happens. This is just like good wisdom. This is how life works. The name of our series. Like oftentimes those people that you try to go and like make a connection with because they have certain qualities that you think are important, but they're all outward. It's often those very people who end up like, you know, taking you the wrong direction, uh, like not, not treating you well. Just exactly what is happening to these people is the rich people who are oppressing you, who are dragging them into the courts. Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? So he says practically it doesn't make sense. And then, and then he says, um, if you judge with partiality, then you're actually sinning. This is a sin. This isn't just like, okay, I made a mistake here. He's saying, no, this is a sin. Look at verse 9. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin, and you are convicted by the law as transgressors. Right. Uh, well, it, I, I think to give some clarity to that, he, he says, uh, he talks, he mentions the royal law. Yeah. Uh, so what sin is it you're actually committing? Yeah. Is the question if, if if it's partiality? What what does he mean by mm-hmm. that? The, mm-hmm. the the idea of the the royal law. The royal law has to be what we just read. That's right. And Luke to begin the service. Right. We were said the royal law is where Jesus said, "I'm going to make this really simple for you: love God and love people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself." That's the royal law. And says so, so. If you really fulfill the royal law of Scripture, this is verse eight. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. Which is exactly the story in the Good Samaritan. Right. And, and he's, he's setting the guy up by, by saying, you answered right, but now go do it. Which is very difficult to do. And that's why 
two strangers can walk into your church and they can both be neighbors. I don't think it's that uh, you see a rich person and a poor person and you just go to the poor person and ignore the rich. Right. It's not like that either, right? It's, it's the reason that we're going to the rich person. Do you hear me? It's the reason behind the motive. I had somebody ask a question that it was a little bit different context because there's always reasons of like, well, I didn't move towards that person because of this or that. Or like, it's, so it really does go back to where our heart is. Yeah. Is the reason we're going towards that person because of the gain we're, we're going to find? Or is it truly gospel motivated? Is it, do I see them in the way that Christ sees me. And that's what we're ultimately getting to, the main reason right. that, that he says, don't show partiality. Well, one, because you're not loving your neighbor. Right. But probably most importantly, you're not reflecting the gospel. Right. And in fact, Paul co- uh, offers correction to the Galatians uh, when he says they're not walking in step mm-hmm. with the gospel. And James, if, if you're going to learn anything about James, learn this. James ties everything Back to the gospel. Yeah. It's, it's stunning, or, or has been to us, that, that the number of times when James will, will give a command, it's connected to uh, the gospel. Yeah. And you might think, well, this doesn't sound like it's connected to the gospel. Just don't show partiality. Um, I, I think if you go back to the story of the Good Samaritan, you can see how it's a gospel issue. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, Galatians 2, if you can turn there. I want want to just give the example here. This is in Galatians chapter 2, so you have to turn left. Pop it into your phone. Galatians 2. Verse 14. Yeah, start Um, verse 12. Yeah. And this is Paul speaking, and he's giving an example, and he says, verse 12, before certain men came from James, that's actually the James who we're uh, reading from, so this is from, James is the pastor in Jerusalem, people from Jerusalem have, have, have come, they have a strong Jewish background, right? All, James is a Jew, they're all Jews who have, have believed in Jesus Christ, and they have found Peter eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party, verse 13. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas or to Peter before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? And so he says, in this instance right here, where uh, Peter has made a differentiation between the Jews and the Gentiles, and he said, look, now that the Jews are in here, again, this is kind of that outward motivated reasoning for him. Now the Jews are here. He doesn't want to be seen eating with the Gentiles and being unclean in that way, and so in the way in which they had defined it previous to Christ. And so Paul calls him out. You're not walking in step with the gospel when you do that. This is a gospel issue. So when we don't reflect Jesus, how does, how does, how does Jesus reflect this, this rule of partiality? 
If we don't reflect Jesus, like we're messing up. How does Jesus reflect this rule? Well, he, he, who did Jesus come to save? What were we before Jesus came into our lives? Were we rich or were we poor? Spiritually speaking, we were poor. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says that, uh, that for your sake, he who was rich became poor. Jesus made himself poor in order to come to us because of our spiritual poverty. And in doing so, he has made us now rich. And, and one, of the, one of the problems is, um, and there's a danger in this this morning. We go to the story of the Good Samaritan and we read it and you read James and you go, well, I just have to be a Good Samaritan. And we want to we identify ourselves with the Good Samaritan in the story, right? Wrong person to identify with. All right? We're not the Good Samaritan in the story. You know who we are? We're the person beaten, stripped, and left in the ditch. That's us. And the real Good Samaritan, the true and better Good Samaritan is Jesus, who Joel just, Joel just read the text who was rich and became poor for our sake, left everything to save us. And, you know, he gives the, uh, if you go back to the story of the Good Samaritan, he goes the extra mile. He goes to him, binds up his wounds, pours oil and wine, then set him on his animal, takes him to the end, takes care of him. It's costly. There's nothing easy about this. In, in fact, I think uh, what James and Jesus are both getting at is this is, it's impossible for you to do this mm-hmm. apart from yeah. something supernatural going on in your life. And, and that's, that's why sometimes James feels so difficult because, because there's this war raging inside us. Where we, we want to, you know, like our first parents, we still yep. want to be our own God and, and make our own decisions and judge. And what James and Paul and Jesus are all saying is this, is this requires supernatural effort. Yeah. Go back to verse five. I want to make sure this is really clear this morning. This is the connection. James 2, 5 says, listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him. This is the very way in which Jesus has acted in our world. In fact, it's not just in the way in which Jesus came and lived and died, but it's in the way in which God has revealed himself throughout all of history. If you read the entire Bible, what you see is God moving towards those who are marginalized. God does this through the whole scripture, and he does so to us, the marginalized, us, the the, the spiritually bankrupt. That's why it's so difficult for the priest and the Levite in the story of the Good Samaritan. That's why it's so difficult for them to grasp this message of grace and liberty, because they... They, they, don't, they, can't, they can't get it because Jesus doesn't operate that way. Jesus operates in a fashion in which he comes to us who recognize their spiritual poverty and their need for him, and he rescues them from that. That's why he says, and now look at verse 12, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. 
The way in which you act and speak now is different than you would have before. That's why we don't show partiality. We don't look at outward appearances of people. We, we don't do that because we're going to be judged under the law of liberty. That is the law with Christ fulfilled in it. This message of the gospel that he came and rescued us, he lived the life we could not live, and he died the death we should have died. And then verse 13, it says, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. You're going to receive no mercy if you have not walked this out. Mercy triumphs over judgment. This is the way in which we're called to live as Christians, as people full of mercy. Yeah. And the reality is all of humanity is, sits under the judgment of God. We, we don't like to talk about that, right? It, it's, a, it's not uh, culturally appropriate. But the reality is we are sinners and we sit under the judgment and the wrath of a holy God. And, and at the cross... Judgment and mercy meet. And mercy triumphs. Because Jesus pays the penalty, is buried and raised from the dead so that we can walk in, in victory. And, and, the, and the reality is, this again, this is difficult. Um, I got a question I want to ask. Okay. I got it early, and I didn't ask it early, but I, I want to ask it now. That there's I've been got three or four questions. That there's been some context. Well, I'm going first. Uh, <laughs> being a neighbor in all these situations involves spending money or time helping someone. In a lot of these scenarios, someone literally might not have the time or money to be a neighbor. Is it fair to assess someone as being neighborly in their donations of time or money exclusively? Mm-hmm. It is fair. Yeah. You want to elaborate? <laughs> I agree with you, but I want to hear your reason. That's, that's gut reaction because uh, th- that's, that's the catch. That's why it's so hard. Yeah. That's why the priest and Levite went the other way. Is because they didn't have time. They didn't have money. Or maybe they had the money. I have a feeling they didn't have time. They didn't have time to deal with the situation. They didn't have the compassion to deal with the situation. They didn't have, I mean, because for us to have time and money requires compassion. Yeah. So I think, and I have lots of questions on here, just this idea of like, how do we know if we're doing this or not? And I think you go back to the story of the Good Samaritan and you say, are you being, is is there anything costly in your life right now? Are, are Are there ways in which right now, it's costing you to love people. And if it's not costing you anything to love people, then you probably aren't loving people very well. Mm-hmm. And again, I say that with, <laughs> not as one who's like, I got this figured out, and like, you know, that's so convicting for me to like say out loud to myself. Well, you, I told you, we've had a little story in our lives this, yeah. over the past yeah. seven days. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I won't go into all the details, but an individual stepped into our life, and it was costly for us. And uh, having to 
read through James and, and think through what, what brought this person to this place where they'd make a decision and, and to have to pray for the person. It's been really, that's, I mean, you think, well, you can pray. Well, yeah. it's hard. Yeah. This isn't easy. So my, my answer would be, yeah, uh, yeah, it's a fair. <coughs> because it, it cost Jesus everything to save us. And, and so I, I think if we're going we're gonna to walk in step with the gospel and model the life of Jesus to a lost and dying world and to our brothers and sisters, then, then yes, it's going to cost us. It's going to cost you your time. It's going to cost you your money. It's costly. But it's, but it's worth it. Yeah. And there's, there's wisdom involved. That's the book of James. James is a book of trying to get us to walk the right way, the wise way. And so people were asking questions about, you know, what if it's not safe? You, you have to use wisdom. Uh, and as you approach this. And so, because there are opportunities. You, you could look around this week and be like, I could walk into that situation and love those people. And uh, it may, you, you may have to use a lot of wisdom in how you try to do that, uh, in the approach in which you can do that. And so, just, just know that that's, that's a part of all this too. Other, man, I got like so many questions. I guess we're done though. We got time for one more. Okay. Um, how do you discern in your own hearts whether or not you're moving towards people in a gospel-centered way? That you're not moving towards people out of what you can gain, but in a true spirit of love? I, I think, uh, how do you discern... Whether or not you're doing it out of pure motives is the question, right? I, I think, do you, do, you, do you move toward people that are just like you? Is that, is that your go-to? Or just like you are at a station above you that can benefit you. If those are the only people you move toward, then you probably, there's probably an issue. Uh, do you ever find yourself moving toward difficult people? Um, or do you run from those people? That doesn't mean you need to find the difficult people in all of them and move yeah. toward them. But if God puts them in your path, there may be a reason. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I think, again, these, these are subtle, nuanced things where, where a lot of times we just we want the, here's the question, give yeah. us the three things we can do right. so that we can walk this thing out perfectly. Well, that's, yeah. you're missing the yeah. whole point yeah. of James if that's what you're yeah. looking for. And let me say this. We go back to, I think we read this maybe in the first week. There was joy set before Jesus as he looked at the cross and went towards the cross. Yeah. When we have, what James is telling us is we have an opportunity here in the church to look so different than the rest of the world. Yeah. The rest of the world is going to show favoritism. They're, they're going to put people in prestigious positions because like, that's, that's because they're prestigious. It's based on outward appearances. And we have within the church the opportunity to say, no, it doesn't matter what you look like, how rich you are, who you are, like at the cross, this, it's equal. We're, we're, 
we're here because of what Christ has done for us. Out of our spiritual poverty, Jesus has rescued us and made us rich in him. And so there's great joy when we get to walk out this in our lives. So don't miss this. We're kind of, I don't, I don't know, I was starting to think, like, we probably aren't expressing that. Yeah. It is difficult, but listen, when you get yeah. down that road and you start moving towards people and loving all people, it's, and it's beautiful, it's good. And, it's, the, and there's joy in it. There's joy in oh, it. That's why James can say crazy things like count it all yeah. joy yeah. when you face trials. Yeah. We'll try to answer, yeah, man, my phone's blowing up. Yes. Um, we'll try to answer some of these questions, good in, questions. In, our, in our podcast, yeah. Great Questions, which I hoped this would do and was uh, thinking it probably would. Um, and know this, we're, we're walking this with you, right? This, this isn't some kind of, this isn't the panel of experts up here. This is two, two guys mm-hmm. that are struggling yeah. along with you to follow Jesus and live like Jesus and man, I want us to do it. Yeah. I want us to be doers of the word. So let me pray for us. Father, thank you for James and for this letter that he wrote to believers who are probably struggling with this teaching, maybe as much as some of us were or are. And so, God, I pray you would help us. Help us love people. It is a supernatural act Mm -hmm. to love some people. And we need you, Holy Spirit, to live in us, to, to, to wrap flesh and blood around the love of Jesus as we walk it out. So, God, I pray for my brothers and sisters that you would help us be doers of the word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.